want you to find your Bibles, Habakkuk. To start out with tonight, I want you to understand that this book of the Bible is written by a prophet, but it's really a dialogue between him and God. This is not a message he was preaching to the people, but there's some things that he went through in life. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Habakkuk chapter number 3. And before we read anything, let me show you this, and then we're going to stand and read a few verses here found in the book of Habakkuk. The Bible tells us in the first two verses here of Habakkuk that we see Habakkuk is praying. Habakkuk is praying. In verse 3 through verse 15, we see he's pondering. He's thinking about what God has just given to him as an answer to the problems and the troubles that they're going through. And so verse 3 through 15 says that, shows his pondering. And then verses 16 through 19, it turns to praise as he begins to praise God and the response and the answer that he got from the Lord. I want us to stand and read what he's praising the Lord about here. So let's go to verse 16, if you will, with me. And I want to preach tonight on when trouble comes. When trouble comes. I want us to see this this evening. The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter number 3 and verse 16, When I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered at thy voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. And when he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, Neither shall the fruit be in the vines, and the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, and the flock shall be cut off in the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. To the chief singer, on my stringed instrument. Let's bow for prayer tonight. Father in heaven, would you give us leadership and direction? We need God, the authority, the spirit of God. And I pray that God, you'll use that tonight. We want to be a blessing and a help to these people. And I pray that God, that you'll lift our spirits tonight. I pray that you'll help us to see how much we need you and how much we need to lean upon you in our lives. And that dear God, that you will revive us And you will make a difference in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God, for your conviction. The things that you set upon us. Lord, without you, where would we be? And dear God, I thank you for the comfort, Holy Spirit, that you give to us. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, as you take these prayers and our petitions to you, that God, you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. In thy name we pray. Amen. When trouble comes, when trouble comes. Habakkuk was a prophet of God, was living in a difficult time in a different area. And he wasn't looking for a message from God, he was looking for an answer from God. Trouble was coming. You ever have trouble? Sometimes trouble comes in the form of of problems. Sometimes trouble comes in the form of battles that we go through. Sometimes trouble is there because of our own making. And sometimes trouble is a direct result of the chastisement of our Lord upon our lives. But trouble comes. And here was a man, a prophet of God, who went to the Lord because he had heard from the Lord. 
that trouble was coming. The Babylonians, one of the great nations of the world, was ready to invade and come down upon, upon them as a people of God. And he couldn't understand why God, why would you send an enemy more wicked and vile than we are to come down and invade us and destroy us and take captives back to a land called Babylon. Jeremiah, the prophet of God, was also proclaiming that there would be 70 years that they would be in the land of Babylon. Through this encounter, Daniel would be taken away. Ezekiel in the Bible would be taken away. And the great concern upon the heart of, of, of uh, Habakkuk this time in his life is, is, Lord, why? I just don't understand this. Why is this happening to me? We often go through personal battles and things in our life and we wonder why these things come down upon us. But I'm here to remind you today, it was this invasion that would bestow upon them and destroy them as a nation. And again, Habakkuk sits back and says, Lord, why? I got news for you. If you're looking for that answer today, it's probably not going to come. You hear me tonight? If you wonder why this happened to me 20 years ago or why this came or why I had such difficulty through this, you're looking for a, an answer tonight of why tonight it probably will not come. Even our Lord hanging upon the cross said, why hast thou forsaken me? But God the Father did not respond to God's Son, except He reached out and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't need the answer to all this. And of course, the Lord obviously knew, but He was crying out to God in desperation here, Why hast thou forsaken me? Maybe you've asked that question here recently, or you're going through some battles and problems. And folks, I want to see revival. But when we're overcome with our troubles and we're going through things in our life that we, we don't seem to have a grips and an answer to what's going on, we need to, we need to turn to the Lord as Habakkuk did. And I, I, I look at what happens here and we, we go down, if you will, let's go back to the second chapter for just a moment. Habakkuk chapter 2. And look with me. And the Bible says, let's go down to, to verse number 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write this vision... And make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul is lifted up, is not upright in him. For the just shall live by faith. That was his answer. Oh, listen. Why God? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? It may be because of God's hand of judgment upon your life. It may be here tonight that you don't even know the Lord, but you're questioning all these things that have happened to you in your life. God Almighty is trying to reach down and get a hold of your heart and see you need to put your faith and trust in Him. You may not understand that. You may, not, you may wonder it. It may cause doubt and unbelief to come in your heart. But God's trying to produce faith in you to believe in the Son of God and what He'll do for you. I like what God says. And it's just the character of our God. He says, the just shall live by faith. You know what that is in our, our, our American language? You know what it means, the just shall live by faith? It means if you're right with me, Habakkuk, just trust me. Just trust me. 
Isn't that hard to do sometimes, even as a Christian and a child of God, to put our ultimate trust and confidence in Him? But I believe one of the first things we need to understand about trouble is we need to learn how to rest in God. Do you realize the word trust in the Bible? The word trust simply means to cast all your weight upon and to put put all your weight upon Him, to sit upon, literally to sit and just don't do anything, but rest your confidence upon Him. And the Bible teaches us to rest in Him. Trust me, Habakkuk, I know what I'm doing. Heaven rules, and things will happen, but you got to put your trust in me. That's hard to deal with when your heart is tore up and your life is kind of, you feel like it's misspent and you're trying to find your way in life and try to do the things you need to do. But we just need to put our ultimate confidence in Him to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, as we quoted tonight. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not in thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He will direct thy path. When I was in Bible college, uh, I had a, I forget now who the preacher was, but he He's, he made the statement, he said, don't ever quit preaching on familiar texts of the Bible. And I've never lost sight of that. I mean, we hear them all the time. Those verses are put on plaques. Those verses are put on other, other uh, uh, forms, cards and greeting cards and all kinds of things. Ladies will crochet it and everything else. will hang it as a plaque upon the walls of the house. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding, all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I like that verse. A couple Sunday nights ago, I just preached on those two verses of the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. It didn't say 90% of your heart, 60% of your heart. If I would walk up here and I would put my leg across that chair, and I'd lay it across there, Have I really put my trust in that chair to hold me? No, it's only as good as I cast my whole whole body and put it down upon this and rest upon it. The rest in, in the Lord, trusting in Him, putting our confidence in Him. That's what God was dealing with him. And he says, just trust me, just trust me, Habakkuk. I'll take care of this. That's what what the Bible means when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am weak and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Can I say tonight he could not rest because he knew God was at work in the world. He could rest because he knew that God was at work in the world. God was in charge. I believe in a sovereign God. I'm not talking about a Calvinistic attitude about life, but I'm talking about somebody who we know rules over the heavens. Some of you are sitting here in consternation and worrying and wondering about what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen to our country. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. God's got all that in line. He has a clock that's ticking, Daniel chapter 9, and he knows exactly when he's coming back. The Lord does. He knows exactly when Jesus will come back again to take us out of here. He knows exactly when it's going to end. And he's got a wonderful prepared place for us when he takes us away. Thank goodness we can depend upon him. He's got it all together. Heaven rules tonight. Heaven rules. Well, let me tell you tonight, 
He told him to rest in him. When darkness seems to veil his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Oh, we need to take and rest upon him. You're troubled about your conditions tonight? Troubled about your lot in life? Troubled even about your sin in your life? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean on the understanding. Don't try to figure it out tonight. Don't try to go home and say, I'll solve this problem. I'll make this change. I'll do these things. Just rest in Him. Trust in Him. That doesn't mean I'm not talking about a careless attitude about things. I'm talking about in Him is where our confidence comes. And we rest in Him. That's what gets us through the trials in life. He's trying to produce faith in you. To be able to say, hey, I can do things. I think sometimes we lack so much confidence in what God can do. Now, we can't make it happen. I can't bring revival here. And I can't open up your hearts. But I can tell you tonight that if we rest in the Lord, we put our trust in Him. And we'll see in just a moment. That doesn't mean just sitting down and doing nothing. But we need to rest in Him. Again, I don't know all the troubles and the problems you bear, but I can tell you if you trust in the Lord. And by the way, it starts with, with salvation. If you think you can work your way to heaven, you think you can jump in, in the baptismal pool like a tadpole and come out a little bit cleaner, I'm here to tell you that won't work. You can, you can get every Sunday school pen. I know this goes back a while, but you can earn every Sunday school pen. How many remember that? You can earn every little Sunday school pen that was ever pinned upon you and still die and go to hell one day if your faith is not in Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The confidence that He can give when we rest upon Him through all the situations we're facing in our lives. Oh, heaven rules. But I want you to also notice, if you will, trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and he shall direct thy paths. He'll help us through the storms, the battles, the problems, the troubles, and things that we face. But notice in those verses that we read tonight, not only did he rest in God and say, all right, Lord, I understand. I can't figure it out. I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know why I'm going through this. But I'm going to rest in you that you know what you're doing. Now may I say secondly tonight, We see Habakkuk here, he rejoices in the Lord. This is after he finally turns it over to the Lord. He's pondered his relationship with God, how big God is, how wonderful God is, how mighty he is, how he can correct anything or do anything to change circumstances. But his confidence was not in something to fix the circumstances. His confidence was in God. Now, I'm talking about revival tonight. This may not sound like a revival message, but if we don't have faith in God... Anything we do is is in vain. Here we see in this passage of Scripture that he begins to rejoice. I don't know about you, but if I went out and anticipated that one day everything I worked for in my life, all the olives are going off the trees. And there's, there's the berries and they're not there anymore. And I looked out in my stall and the cows and the cattle aren't there anymore. What am I going to eat? What am I going to do? This is what his eyes would anticipate. But let me tell you something, folks. We control the thermostat of our life. 
And we can set it where we need to when we got resting in the Lord, understanding that he's got this all under control. Now, he, may, he may not take away all your problems, but he'll give you grace and authority and power and strength. And we can rejoice in the Lord tonight at the good things he has done and what he's going to do through all of this. The Bible says in the New Testament, Paul, while in prison, said, Rejoice in the Lord, and again, I say rejoice. In James chapter 1, verse 2, the Bible says, Count it all joy, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Count upon Him. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 10, I like this verse. Paul said here in these verses, he says, As sorrowful. Yet always rejoicing. I'm, I've got sorrow. I used to go around the church and, and still do do this some, but I go around the church and and I would just be singing a little song, one of the gospel songs, one of the hymn songs, and I'd be whistling it or singing it a little bit. And somebody would walk by me and they heard me, said, "Preacher, you must be awful happy today." Be honest with you, I, I do that to lift my spirit. To, to, to uh, allow myself to see it's not the things we're going through and the battles we're facing, it's God. And I put my trust in Him. And so tonight as we're sitting here, let's, let's determine in our heart that we will rejoice in the Lord. I had an uncle, he was 90-some years of age. And he was, I guess if you can have a favorite uncle, it was this uncle. His name was Uncle Gene. He'd fought in World War II. He had actually been in Hitler's office during the wars. And uh, they gave him two flags out of his desk, out of Hitler's desk. German flags. He took it home. Uh, you're going to laugh at this, but he, he took it home and sent it home, I should say. And his girlfriend, who became his wife, and now she's 90-some years old, and he has passed away. But she took that flag and made it into a pair of underwear. <laughs> And, her, and uh, the other, he sent back to his mother, who was my grandmother, and sent it back to her. I don't know what she did with hers, but they never did find either one of them after, later on in life. But all listen, as a young man, he got saved in a Baptist church, just probably about 10 miles from where I've started our church. At one time, it was a gospel preaching church and people were getting saved. My dad was saved as a result of that church and the meeting there. But Uncle Gene came to know the Lord. Well, life began to go on. Cares and business and other things took up. But he got to the end of his life. And he began to think about how good God was. and Life was how he had failed the Lord in so many ways. But he'd come to grips with things, and he talked to one of the ladies. He was in a nursing home just about a mile from where his wife was, and he still had all of his faculties, but he was getting frail and feeble. And he turned to one of the nurses, and he said to her, one of the care workers there, and said, could you take me to Victory Baptist Church? Could you take me and take me down there? And all of a sudden, uh, she said, yes. She says, I'll take you. So they had this plan for weeks on, on a Sunday. She would pick him up and take him to that church service and take him down there. And then he would come back. And he did. I happened to be there not too long after that. And he was so excited. 
what the Lord allowed him to do and go back to those people and bring back to his mind the things that God had done for him and how he'd prospered him in his life in so many ways and blessed him. Even though he never really was a churchgoer, but he, loved, he really did love the Lord. I could see that in his life. There's just circumstances and things that had prevented it in his life. And I can remember my sister and I, she's 86 now. This is a few years ago, but we walked, we walked into, the, into the area there where he was at and his room. We sat down and talked with him a while. And then he says, I will walk you back to the door as we begin to leave. And so we were in front of him. My sister, I believe, was in front of me. And then I, he was walking right behind me. And he was talking. So we kind of would turn every now and then and look at him. Now, folks, I'm not exaggerating tonight. But he jumped up and shouted and clicked his heels together up in the air and brought him back down on both feet. (laughs) He was so excited. He was rejoicing in the Lord. Despite where he was at, what was going on, what was happening to him, how people had deserted him in life. And here he is rejoicing in the Lord. I'm here to tell you. We're not always a a piece of poetry like we'd like to be, like God's designing us to be. But I'm here to tell you, God's wanting us to learn how to be happy and rejoice in the Lord despite the circumstances because we put our rest in Him and confidence in Him. He'll take us through and help us through. My Bible also tells me in Acts chapter 5 verse 41, And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for His name. I like that song in our hymn books, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. The other verse says, I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray to heaven I found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want you to notice though, in that last verse that we read, not only did he come to grips with the fact that he needed to rest in God and he needed also to rejoice in the Lord. But notice also in this last verse here of chapter 3, the Bible says, There is no healing of thy bruise, thy wound is grievous. And all that hear the brute, that's the report of thee, shall clap the hands over thee. For upon whom hath not thy wickedness passed continually? If we look at this third chapter, we see what God has accomplished here. But also, as we look back just a little bit further in the word of God, we see what the Lord's trying to do to him. We see here thy crown are as a locust. And I'm in the wrong book of the Bible. I knew something was wrong. Chapter 3 and verse number 18. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. But then we see in verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon my high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. I'm telling you, folks, when we turn to the Lord, put our confidence in him, turn away from the things of this world and just put our total reliance upon him in our life, that faith will muster a rejoicing spirit through the circumstances, through the waves through the battles we go through in life. And let me tell you something tonight. Some of our real troubles are right up here. Come on now. Some of the real troubles are right up here. In our heads, our thoughts, 
the things that go on. Let me ask you who puts them there. Well, the devil does. A.W. Tozer one time said, in fact, he wrote, had a whole message on it, I talk back to the devil. <laughs> there are times we just need to tell the devil where to go. I didn't put that in my head. That's not the way I think. That's not my process. That's not what the Lord's trying to speak to me about. And I just tell him, you don't belong here. Get out of my conversation. I saw God take that in my own personal life and take us when, we, when I was going through a real battle in my life. And I remember walking into my own home and there was such quietness and peace that I never had experienced before. The antagonistic spirit of the devil, the accuser of the brethren comes around. But God help us to rely upon the Lord. Notice what he says there again in verse 19. The Lord is my strength and he maketh my feet like hinds feet. The Lord is my strength. I'll rely upon God. See, we're trying to fix our problems and our troubles, and we're trying to overcome these things and set, set, let the Lord give us the strength to do it. And God wants us to have a heart that's content. Hey, by the way, folks, this is, these Babylonians, and we're going to come down and sack them, we're like the woke crowd of today. And honesty. They were the heathen of heathens. They would blaspheme God and care less about any, any child of God, any Christian or anybody else. And they were going to seek to destroy them. And they did cart them off in three different occasions and took them back to a strange land there in their homeland called Babylon. And now they'll live out their days for 70 years while there. So is Habakkuk going to get down and mourn over all this? He doesn't understand, but he's just going to trust God. But God will get him through it. And it's at those times that we need to rely upon God in our decisions, in our authority, in our power, in our victory. <laughs> I've always been fascinated with eagles. And I've studied them through the years and some is for, I've forgotten, but a lot of it I still retain. But I'm just amazed what God gives to those eagles. I have them all over my study there. I have little silhouettes or statues of eagles and, and in different poses and different forms. They're just amazing creatures that God made. It's part of the symbol of America. But I am told that an eagle will live to be at least 70 years of age. It's the longest living bird that God has created. Now, Maybe someone has found something different, but from my understanding, they live to be 70 years of age. And that eagle will live up to he's about 30 years of age. Called a midlife crisis, whatever you want to call it. He just loses all confidence. He loses hope. He just feels like, in fact, his feathers have gotten so oily that they clamming together. And it's difficult for him to fly. He begins to mope. And teardrops form in his eyes. This is how God's made the eagle. And all of a sudden, one day, they'll droop down into the valley. And they'll sit there in the valley. And they'll just think life is over. What future have I? Now, no one knows exactly why the eagle does that. But the Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 31, and they that wait upon the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall walk and not faint. And the Bible says they'll be like eagles. Here with the, here's this eagle now, and he's down in the valley, and he thinks life has just come apart. There's just so much going on, I can't handle it. There's so much fear and trepidation and things going on in my life. So maybe I'll just cash it in. But after a period of time, just sitting there waiting, He's not flying with the rest of the eagles up there. He's not out catching any prey. In fact, he basically doesn't eat for a period of time. And one day, he'll take his head and he'll take, he'll take that cliff or whatever's down there, a rock, a jagged rock, and he'll take that head and he'll beat his head against that rock. And all of a sudden, those crystals begin to break loose. All of a sudden, he'll find help with those, those wings, and they begin to clean themselves off. And then he looks up directly at the sun, for that's what eagles do. They fly towards the sun. And he takes off, and he takes them big talions that can literally squeeze a, a, a small bear and squeeze its skull. And all of a sudden he lifts those wings and he flies and he takes off and he goes and flies directly into that sun. And before you know it, he's up there with a strength he didn't know he had because God had rejuvenated him and revived him and created that. Do you realize sometimes God brings troubles to revive us? He's wanting to do the work in you. He's wanting to give you the strength to stand up in front of somebody and say, I know Jesus. Let me tell you about him. You can't do that much in your flesh. All you can do it. You can mimic a pattern. You can can do things, but to have a real burden and desire in your heart and with grace and mercy, go after sinners. Hey, listen, it takes the strength of the Lord. We We can pray. What's going to give us the boldness to pray and the desire to get a hold of people's lives and to intercede for people? It comes from the strength of the Lord. and He wants to give you that strength, folks. But we have to get to the point in our life when we say, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't understand this. I don't know why this person forsook me. I don't understand all the circumstances. But I'm going to put my trust in you. And I'm going to trust you with all my heart with all my soul, without all my understanding. I don't have to have that question why answered to trust you, Lord, because I know that you're in charge. And here's my life. And I'm going to rejoice in you because I know this is covered and that somehow you're going to help me through this and you're going to help me to see that I can be revived. And then we're to take that and put our reliance totally upon him. There was a man by the... uh, the name of of William Cooper. He wrote a lot of songs in our hymn book. If I'm not mistaken, he wrote the song they were playing there a little while ago, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. But William Cooper was spent a lot of his early days full of mental anguish, just wondering. He, God had given him a great talent to write songs, and he wrote many of them. But he spent 32 years of his life in an asylum. It was the aid and help and encouragement of a man by the name of John Newton of Amazing Grace. 
And John Newton sat down with him and took him into his home and tried to help him through. And then at times would take him to the asylum when he needed to go and would place him there and pray for him and help him and encourage him, do all that he could. Four times in William Cooper's life, he thought about taking his life. He reached in, and all of a sudden he grabbed a knife and was going to put it into his belly. And all of a sudden, somebody knocked on his door, and he put the knife down. Later on, he put a hangsman's noose and hung it up there. And he was going to put his head in it. And when he stood upon the chair to put his head into the noose, all of a sudden, a knock came to the door. As the knock came to the door again, it was a neighbor saying, I hadn't heard from you lately. He wanted to know if there's something we could do. Also, he tried to go into the Thames River there and he tried to drown himself in the waters and go through all the things that were there in the waters to take his life and put himself under. But he could never get to the point where he could just hold himself down. And he gave up effort and went home. Two other times, or one other time, that he tried to commit suicide. And when that was all done, we see that eventually he found some victory. He still had a problem, but he put his strength in the Lord to help him through his troubles and his problems, and he turned it all over to the Lord. He sat down 12 years later, after all of that, he sat down 12 years later and wrote the song, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He takes his feet upon the seas and rides upon the storm. He found great confidence. But William Cooper also took these verses that we have here and wrote a song. It's called, Though vine nor fig and trees neither, their wanted fruit shall bear. Though all the fields shall weather, nor flocks nor herds be there, yet God the same abiding, his praise shall tune my voice. For while I am in confiding, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot but rejoice that's the good hand of our God who knows and is seeking for us to just trust him have you ever trusted him with your soul and your life I know you've been to church I know you've heard the gospel know you most of you probably know what it means to be saved but you've just let things wither in and so forth and you just do, do you really believe entrusted and placed your heart upon on him and said, Lord, I'm all yours. I put my trust in you. I believe you died upon the cross for me. I believe you gave me eternal life. And I'm resting upon you. My assurance is found not in my feelings. My assurance is found in God's word and his claims upon our life. And we go away trusting him. I hope and pray your life, the times ahead of you depend upon, have you trusted in the Lord? And can I say tonight, if you're a child of God, troubles have come into your life, and you're going to have them. I don't care who you are. You're going to have troubles. God's wanting you in this life. And one of the reasons why he's here, he's wanting to take the faith that he gives us, and he's wanting us to reach out with that faith and put our claims upon him and to trust him no matter the circumstances we go through. I've been, as a pastor, been to all kinds of homes places and you'd look at people and you wonder 
Why is that? Why are they going through that? I hadn't been in the ministry very long, was holding a revival meeting in Philippi, West Virginia, and there was a, the preacher went out, we went visiting, and one day we come upon this door, and he was hoping that she might come to church. She was a young mother. And she looked down upon, she looked down upon uh, her little child. And when he invited her to come to church, he said, if you can tell me why my little baby has cancer, I'll come to church. Well, he didn't have the answer, and I didn't have the answer, but I know one that does have the answer. You say, that's hard to bear, preacher. Oh, listen, what else are you going to do? Are you going to worry and fret your life away? Are you going to blaspheme God? Are you going to get bitter with Him? So many Christians today are bitter. Things happen to them in church, things happen to them in their life, and they got bitter. Listen, the Lord never disappointed you. He may have allowed you to go through things because he's wanting you to put your ultimate confidence upon him. As Isaac was going to give up his only son there and he went up to that altar and he put his, he put his hands upon, upon that individual, his son, Abraham did. And all of a sudden he took that knife and was going to come down and slay his own son, but God stopped his hands. You know, sometimes sickness comes because he's wanting us to Trust in Him. But He'd heal us. He can do that, you know. <laughs> without much effort, without much trial. I had a hundred, I'm just guessing, but I, I, I know it was at least a hundred thousand people praying for my wife when she got COVID. And maybe some of you were, I don't know. But I praise the Lord. God didn't heal her. But I can see God didn't always give us understanding, but I can see things now that happen in her life and what was going to happen afterwards and things that took place that it was going to be really, really extremely hard on my wife. So it was his grace that took her home. It was grace, John Newton said, and grace will lead us home. I'm thankful today, no matter what God does or what allows to happen or what we go through when we put our confidence and trust in him. I mean, we pour out our heart. We want, we want to rest our confidence in him. We, we go there and God's wanting to teach us how to rejoice. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I know that this may sound like a message tonight that's, that's contradictory to what we do and think about revival, but I'm just reminding us tonight, your strength comes from him. He loves you tonight. He went to the cross and paid the ultimate price upon the cross of Calvary. And he wants to work in your life tonight. He wants to come and he wants to give you that strength. You may have to wait a little while. It may not happen just tonight because you walk an aisle or you pray a prayer. But I'm here, here to tell you, dear friend, he is there and he's waiting and he's waiting on us and he's waiting on you. He wants to make a difference in your life. Let's put our confidence and trust in Him. This is not a Debbie Downer message tonight. We need to learn how to rejoice and put our ultimate confidence in Him. And especially when it comes to being saved and being born again. I wonder tonight if there's somebody that would say here tonight, Preacher, be honest with you, I'm just not sure. If something were happened to me tonight, I'm just not sure. If I would meet the Lord and the air, if he were to come back or if I was to be here, 
I'm just not sure how I stand with the Lord. I don't know that I'm saved and born again. God wants to work in your heart. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit of God. And He wants to save you. Do you have that confidence tonight? Do you know in your heart that you're born again, that you're saved? Hey, listen, the greatest thing come out of this revival, maybe you get a second wind of God's mercy upon your life to realize that God has saved you. But I don't, I don't know. I just wonder tonight, do you know for sure that you're saved? I wonder, I wonder as, as a testimony of the Lord tonight, how many would say, preacher, I know that I've been born again. I know that I'm saved. I can look back and I can see how God worked in my life, brought conviction over my soul, reminded me and showed me that I was a sinner, and I put my trust and faith in Him. How many could raise your hand tonight as a testimony of that fact? God bless you. You may put your hands down. Now, most of you raised your hand. Bless your hearts. Most of you raised your hands. But let me ask you tonight, when it comes to living the Christian life, when it comes to seeking God, that's part of that formula of revival. When it comes to seeking God, are you coming with faith and confidence and believing that God, whatever he does, whatever he chooses to do, that as he comes, he wants to bless you and give you what you need in life. But he wants to be the one who gives strength within you. I wonder tonight if there's a child of God here this evening would say, Preacher, this message was for me tonight. I needed to hear this. I'm not asking if you liked it tonight. I'm asking you, do you need it? How many could raise your hand and say, Preacher, God dealt with me about this this evening. And just slip up your hand tonight. Yes, 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 all over. Anybody else? Raise your hand. God bless you. you may put it down tonight. When trouble comes. That's God's sign to get on your knees, to trust in Him, to rest in Him, to allow yourselves to rejoice in Him and then also to turn that around and to put your confidence in Him totally. Where he, you rely on Him to give you what you need to get through the battles. I don't know how many times I've walked up to a casket and I'm not trying to be sanctimonious here tonight. Or I've walked in a house where somebody called me and wanted me to pray for them. And I realize, what words can I say that will make a difference? But I ask God to feed my soul. Give me something to say that will strengthen that individual, that will help that individual. And I'm amazed how God gives me words and thoughts that I never, never knew would come. And thank goodness God can do that. He's wanting to revive you tonight. He's wanting to revive you. See, Habakkuk had lost trust in God there for a moment, not, not as, as, as Lord and Savior, but lost, lost trust in Him as, as the fact that he thought he could better run the nation than God could. Oh, listen, let God stir in your hearts tonight. Father, you saw the hands of these people. I pray that, dear God, that your God, you'll help us with, with, to, to just rest and trust in you. Lord, I can't give faith, but God, you can. God, you can have sinners confess faith in you and trouble their souls until they see they need you, dear Lord, in their life. And that life's not going to change without your authority and power. And it's God's people who come to this church, Lord, Lord, or maybe even those that are visiting tonight. Oh, that God, you would move upon them and work in them. 
show forth your love and compassion and help. Lord, I just pray that when trouble comes, they'll be able to reach out in the midst of their storms and their battles and their problems, that God, they could trust and rest upon you and rely upon you. Oh, what faith can do. And pray that, dear Heavenly Father, you'll renew and help us to rejoice in you. Lord, if there's something that's blocking the mind or the heart of somebody here today, because of something they've done or something they, where they've been or some place that uh, they know that brought disrespect to your name, dear God. And they think, well, they'll never use me again. God will never spark hope in me. Oh, dear God of heaven, revive them tonight. Help them. Help them to fall before your, your, your face in heaven, Lord, and say, I need you, Lord. I need your help. Strengthen me tonight. Give me victory. And I pray that, God, you'll give us that waiting spirit to trust in you. And, Lord, help us to move forward in this meeting, dear God, these next two nights. Do what we can, Lord, to bring, to bring people to church. and Seek to bring visitors and individuals that, that need attention tonight, need the Lord's help and guidance and direction. And pray that, Father, you'll do that. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We are going to give an invitation tonight. But think about what we've shared tonight. How's your faith? How's your trust? As they come and play a song and we sing it here tonight. How about it this evening? Are you willing to come and put your ultimate confidence in Him and say as a child of God... Thank you for what you're trying to do in my life. Help me to have a rejoicing spirit. Cast out this bitterness and help me to move forward. How about it tonight? Let's do business with God, all right?